Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. Find out what other people are hoping for and then intersect that. The only thing that matters, faith expressed in love. But here's the deal. Jesus doesn't need your help. I asked him. What he needs is your hearts. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons on Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot. Gabe will join us shortly, both with a talk of his own. Plus, he'll introduce the person we just heard there, Bob Goff. If you've never heard Bob before, Bob is a very energetic and humorous speaker. He spoke this past spring at last year's Q Conference. And speaking of the Q Conference, Q 2019 is now less than six weeks away, April 24th through the 26th in Nashville. At Q 2019, you will experience 30 curated talks focusing on the state of American culture and ways Christians can navigate the complexity of our changing society. There will be dedicated space for constructive debate, expert interaction, and live experiences. And there's still room for you and your team. Just visit qideas.org and then click on Q2019 on the left side menu. Now, first up today, Gabe gives us a flavor of not just the talk you'll experience if you attend the Q Conference, but a vision of what Q is all about, being part of a restorative gospel to a world in need. So if you'll join us, let's go back to a Q conference from a few years ago as Gabe lays out his ideas in a talk called The Christian View. Let's listen in. Have you ever found yourself embarrassed to call yourself a Christian? Where you were in a space, maybe it was at work, maybe it was just with some friends, And you decided, you know what, I don't think I'm going to even use that name because I know what might come at me. The perceptions that people may have of me are so negative that it's really not worth the cost of just sharing simply my faith and where I come from. Well, this has been a matter of study for our work at Q for many, many years, understanding the perceptions that other generations have about Christians and culture. Back almost a decade ago, we understood that many people felt like Christians were just judgmental. They were too political. They were anti-gay. We saw numbers as high as three out of four Americans believing that Christians basically in the political realm, they only care about winning in politics. They don't really care about people. Or seven out of 10 who said, look, you don't care about me as an individual or my story. You just want to convert me to my faith. Or more recently, my book with David Kinnaman, we wrote a book called Good Faith where we talk about the newest language to describe Christians. And it's the idea that we're irrelevant and extreme, that people basically don't think about the Christian faith anymore. They don't see it as something important to their life. They see it as something that maybe operates over here. And these people go to their churches. They enjoy their little things, their youth groups, their social settings. They pray for their meals. But it doesn't necessarily interact with their real life. It doesn't affect them. And so in that way, it's irrelevant. But the thing we saw in the last few years is a rising term that started to describe Christianity by almost half of Americans. And it was the word extreme. 
It was that our faith was no longer just irrelevant, meaning it could be just disregarded, but in fact, it had become extreme. It had become a faith that really needed to find its place, and that place needed to be a little further outside of the mainstream. And so we saw that many Americans believe that six out of 10, at least, that if you try to convert somebody to your faith, then that's an extreme act. Or 52% believe if you believe in sexual ethics, that marriage should be between a man and a woman coming out of scripture and everything else outside of that is not ordained by God. Well, then you're an extreme person. And so in the culture today, when you're extreme, you're labeled that way. It starts to create that polarization. And so for many of us, We can find ourselves having to make that choice. Am I going to talk about my faith or am I going to ignore it? We know in younger generations specifically, they're feeling that pressure. Many feel marginalized, using terms even like persecuted for their faith because they know that if they share their faith, there might be some social consequences. But you see, I would submit to you the reason we're having such a problem with our faith isn't just that people have a negative perception. It's that we've actually contributed to this negative perception that we actually have to look at ourselves. We have to look in the mirror and understand how we've contributed to it. You see, the Christian story over 2000 years was a story that really made sense of all of reality. It was cohesive. It was a kind of story that if you were trying to figure out the biggest questions you had in life, you looked to the Christian faith. It was the place where you could find those answers. Chuck Olson used to say that the Christian story really gives us the most comprehensive life system to every question that every human has ever raised. Where did I come from? What went wrong? How do we fix this? And then what is my purpose as I move forward? You see, these are the questions not only you wrestle with, our neighbors wrestle with, our friends wrestle with. And when we have these questions, we need to make sense of it. It's actually not good for us as human beings to feel divided, to not know the answers to those questions. Well, I'd submit to you that the Christian story gives the best answers. It's the reason over the last 2,000 years that we've seen really smart people, artists, musicians, those who've created and built societies, those who established our university system, those who created hospitals, they were motivated by the Christian faith, the the origins of human rights and the whole move towards activism to defend the rights of human beings. This came out of the Christian story because it made sense of the world. But I'm afraid in the last hundred years, we've gotten away from telling the full story. We've limited this story to something Dallas Willard calls the truncated gospel, where we've really emphasized the fact that we're sinners and that we can do no right apart from God. And then the next part of the story we've emphasized is that if you accept Jesus into your life, you can be saved from not only hell, but this earth, and you can escape to heaven. And it's created a real shallow Christianity. It's created a lot of converts who've raised their hands and maybe prayed a prayer, but it hasn't created the kind of disciples that really understand how to engage this world, how to partner with God to renew things, to demonstrate and give witness to God's love for this world. And so I invite you to consider the fuller story, the story that really makes sense, the story that for 2,000 years has been told over and over again that you and I need to become much more reacquainted with. It's a story that's cohesive, and it's the beginning of the story doesn't just start with sin. It doesn't just start with the fall of mankind. It begins with God's good design. And how he made every human being in his image. And not only that, he designed this universe and this world to be a place where he wanted us to enjoy it, to love it, to flourish. He gave us kind of a job description, and that was to take dominion, to be a part of cultivating this earth in service to God, but also in demand. To go build cities, to be a part of organizing. You know, Adam, in the beginning, he was given the job to name the animals, to organize 
You see, as human beings, we need to understand where we come from. God's good design and his plan for us to flourish, to enjoy work, to enjoy relationship, to be a part of how he designed us to commune not only with him but with others. But sin came in and this part of the story is real. It distorted all of that. You see, the enemy doesn't have the ability to create anything. All he can do is take God's good design and distort it. He literally just tinkers with it and messes it up. And you realize if you just kind of distort it 3%, you've changed the whole thing. You see, when I was looking at at rat poison and researching the way they create rat poison, 97% of the rat poison is actually food that the rat would love. It entices them, gets them involved, wants them to eat it. But it's that 3% that absolutely destroys and devastates them. Well, that's what's happening in our world in relationships, the way we treat one another, the polarization we sometimes feel, the, the ways in which we make decisions and choices that we start to experience the consequences when they're outside of God's design. And all along, the enemy's distorting God's good design and trying to tempt us to enjoy the distortion, to even think the distortion was God's good design. But in fact, through Christ, as we move into this story, we do have the opportunity to be redeemed, to move into right relationship with him. Because once we're in that established place and we know who we are, and we start to understand who we are because not we're looking in the mirror and just trying to understand our own feelings, our own desires, but we know who God is. And by knowing who God is, it's this fixed point outside of ourselves that helps us start to know who we are and who we're meant to be. And we can walk forward with him into this fourth part of the story, the idea of restoration. And he's called all of us to be a part of renewal, of restoring, to, re- to redeem the world alongside him. Through the power of his spirit, he gives us good works that we would walk into them. He gives us creativity and imagination to inhabit every area of this world, not just the church, but every industry, media, arts and entertainment, business, politics. We're to walk into all of these spaces bringing a kingdom vision, a vision that says, look, some things are broken, some things are distorted because the enemy wants to distort it. He wants to confuse us. He wants to create chaos. But through my understanding of who God is, he's called me to be a part of what he wants to do there. And then we start to dream, we start to imagine, how would this look like one day if it wasn't distorted? What will this look like one day in the kingdom of God? And then we invite him into that process to partner with us, to help us start to create tangible expressions of what the kingdom of God would look like. You see, when we start to tell this story and give people this story, we give them a cohesive and a coherent story. People today reject Christianity many times because the story we hand them is kind of like me handing you a great novel and I've ripped out the first 100 pages and you try to get into the story, but you don't realize where it began. You don't know the characters. You don't know how they developed. And then all of a sudden you just start to get into the story and you get to the final part and I've ripped the last 100 pages out and you don't see how it resolves. You don't understand where the story was going. You'd be frustrated at me. You'd be mad. You'd be angry that I tried to tell you the story and you wasted a lot of time and you never really understood it and you would reject it. But when you start to give people the real novel, when you help them understand that their biggest questions about where they came from and what's gone wrong and how this can be fixed and how they can be a part of experiencing meaning and purpose by finding their purpose in God, you're actually answering the deepest questions that they're wrestling with on their own, maybe late at night as they're lying in their bed wondering, why am I here? What is this all about? And that's what Christianity has always done. It's been a story that made sense of all reality. It wasn't a leap of faith to believe it. It was actually something that when you really took time to understand it and think about it, it helped us all understand who we are as human beings and how to live out that abundant life. So I hope as you hear this, you'll be engaged to want to know more about that story 
and to start to journey into what God's called you to and his plan to restore the world. This is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, providing a more complete picture of the gospel, an opportunity to be part of bringing restoration both on a personal level and a community level, to be a restorer. That's the hope and the challenge you hear every week on Q Ideas. Now, most of the talks you hear on the show come out of our annual Q Conference. And as we already mentioned, Q 2019 is quickly approaching April 24th through the 26th in Nashville. Just listen to a handful of the thought leaders and their topics. Andy Crouch will be back. He'll be talking about a theology of cyborgs. Dr. John Townsend will also be talking about avoiding toxic relationships. Washington Post journalist Elizabeth Brunig will be talking about the rise of democratic socialism, which has been in the news a lot lately. Plus, pastor and author Matt Chandler from the Village Church will be talking about co-belligerence and Pastor Scott Sauls of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville on an irresistible faith. And that's just scratching the surface of the 30 talks you'll hear. But Q isn't just about listening. It's about interacting both with the presenters and with others who are attending who are wrestling to apply the gospel in their ministries, their businesses, and in everyday life with a view to being a restorer. Now, will you agree with everything you hear at Q2019? Probably not, but the goal of Q is to stay curious, think well, and advance good. And that requires listening to diverse viewpoints and interacting around those topics. Now, to register, remember, just visit qideas.org. That's qideas.org. And on the left side, you'll see the button for Q2019. Gabe joins us now on Q Ideas. And Gabe, tell us about our second talk. Today, I promise you, you're going to laugh. You're going to smile. You're going to have a good time as you listen in on a recent talk that Bob Goff delivered. Now, if you don't know who Bob Goff is, New York Times bestseller. He described as an encourager to millions. He wrote a book called Love Does several years ago that became a bestseller. Just talking about crazy stories of how he's gone out on these adventures to just love people really well. It's resonated with Americans. It's resonated with people all over the world. And then recently released a book called Everybody Always. And so we asked him at our most recent Q Commons gathering where this was being broadcast around the world, tens of thousands of people listening, people listening inside their churches with their congregants and the people who attend their church to city commons gatherings that gathered leaders from all over a city, all the way to the living room where people just gather a few friends through our Q Local expression of Q, where people can host these events and all these different environments. And Bob was there to cheer everybody on, to inspire them, to help them to better see the role they have to play in the world, to encourage other people. And he encouraged us all on this great evening. And so I want you to just listen in as Bob Goff continues in this story of everybody always and why we should care about the people that are put right in front of us. Let's listen in now. Well, hey, everybody. I'm Bob. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you. Thanks a million for letting me be part of this. Uh, I'm a lawyer, but I'm also a hugger. So if we were together, you'd be getting a hug. (laughs) But not the creepy kind, or you'll need a lawyer. You know the difference. One of the things that I've done is 
put my cell phone number in the back of books. And the reason is this. I don't think people follow vision. I think they follow availability. And we don't get to decide how tall we are or short we are, but we get to decide how available we are. Uh, I get a call about every three weeks from this young guy <laughs> in the South, and he, he just cusses at me. Isn't that awesome? I, I, I thought I knew all the cuss words, but evidently there's new ones. And one of the things that I do is I end the conversation with them the same way every single time. I tell them, I will always take your call. I want to be the one guy in his life that isn't like calling him names back. And listen, I'm a lawyer. I win arguments for a living, but I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to be Jesus. And that's this whole theme that you've been hearing about for the last little bit, this idea of how do we do it? We can engage culture. We can engage the most difficult circumstances and people, but you got to know why you're doing what you're doing. I'll give you an example. You will very rarely see me without wearing this crazy Boston Red Sox hat. And I'm not a Red Sox fan. The reason that I wear it is this. My neighbor, Carol, was a huge Red Sox fan. And we knew that she had cancer and was going to start this eternity-long dance with Jesus. And, And so I made a deal with her. I said, Carol, I'll wear your Red Sox hat for the rest of my life. But in exchange... Every time Jesus walks by you, you need to mention my name. (laughs) There's a verse in Matthew that says, I knew you not. I'm like, Carol. So figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Because if you're doing it for the applause, join the circus. But if you're doing it because you want to be Jesus to the world, if you want to like spread this whole idea of love and acceptance to people, then now we've got a ball game. We've got something we can talk about. There's a beautiful verse. It's Galatians 5, 6. It says this. The only thing that matters is faith expressed in love. And I think people don't need more information. I don't think we grow or we're informed. We grow or we're accepted. And so what I've been doing is just trying to find people like, what is it that you're looking for? What do you want in your life? Uh, There's this terrific friend of mine. She's a new friend. Her name is Grace. You know what she wanted? She wanted to be a speaker, but she'd never had a chance to do something like this. And and so I, she told me this, I was speaking at a conference with 3000 pastors a couple days later. So I just walked out on stage holding hands with her (laughs) and I got out of the frame. I said, go. (laughs) And she killed it. These guys will never have me back. But here's the deal. Find out what other people want. It's easy to make it about you. But if you want to be love in the world, like you'll actually release these things by asking people, what is it that you want? And is there anything I've got to be helpful along the way? Give you another example. There's a young guy named Aaron. He was a paralegal for me. He'd worked for me for a decade. You know what he wanted? He wanted to go to law school. He wanted to be a lawyer, but he didn't have like three years to spend in law school. He had three kids and a wife. So we went to the state bar in Washington. We said, would it be okay if we teach him law school? (laughs) It was like I did a Jedi thing and they said, okay. So we taught him law school. You guys, Aaron just passed the bar. (laughs) He looks as surprised as we are. We made him give a valedictorian speech. He was also the last guy in the class. But find out what other people are hoping for and then intersect that. The only thing that matters, faith expressed in love. But here's the deal. Jesus doesn't need your help. I asked him, what he needs is your hearts. And what it's going to do is it's just going to require a little bit of humility. It's going to be taking a breath when you meet somebody. Have you ever met somebody and their shirt is one button off? (laughs) 
<laughs> that happens to me all the time. But one of the things that I found is the people that have shaped my view uh, of God would be uh, a couple buttons off in their uh, their view of God. Like they're they're just uh, they've got a different worldview than me, and I just assume that God's up to different things in their life than He's up to in my life. Listen, if you want a radish, it takes a seed in twenty days. But if you want a pear, it takes a seed in seven years. And I've just assumed that some things are going to take a little bit longer, which is hard for me because I'm like a little ADD. I make coffee nervous. I'm like that guy. But what I'm trying to do is just chill out. And that would serve us so well. I keep putting things in the microwave and Jesus keeps putting them back in the crock pot. Let that happen to you. Chill out. I know you've got an opinion about everybody. Everybody's got opinions. They're like ears. But what I want to do is be remembered for my love, not just known for my opinions. And I think we get to do that every time. Every time we do an extravagant act of love that's selfless, it's like a declaration of faith. It's like, this is what I actually believe is true. I have a friend who's the voice of Disney. Isn't that an awesome gig? <laughs> Every time you hear, you know, coming soon or in the park, it's his voice. And you know what his card says? People believe what I tell them. Wouldn't that be great if we were known for that? People that would believe what we tell them. And what we need to do is, is say things that are true. And the way people will believe us is to see the way that we engage the people around us. That's why I wrote the book, Everybody Always, because it's a lot easier to love some people sometimes. But if you want a report card on your faith, see how you're treating the people that you disagree with the most. I, those of you that know me know I try cases against witch doctors. We tried Uganda's first death penalty case against a witch doctor involved in child sacrifice. And this little boy survived the trial and is, has been uh, thriving. Uh, but it started me thinking, how do I deal with the people that creep me out? And so I've been sending out word on the Bush radio now for years to all the witch doctors. I say the consul general of Uganda is coming and I command every witch doctor to meet me at the king's hat. And you guys, they come and they're creepy dudes. They make little dolls that look like me and stick pins in it. I mean, it's nuts. But I asked these guys, what do you want? What do you need? And they said, we don't know how to read or write. So you guys don't freak out. I started a witch doctor school. We don't teach them how to be witch doctors. They already know. We teach them how to read and write. And something crazy has been happening in their lives. Like they're actually seeing themselves differently than they did before. We're educating them. I'm not trying to, I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. You know why? I didn't want to get any on me. And the simple message of the gospel is this. Get it on you. Get it all over. You want to look like Jesus? Just get people, the people that you've been just polite to, draw them in close. I told these witch doctors, uh, you know, I'm writing the next book and you guys are still learning how to spell. So what if we do this? I'll write all the words. Can you lend your fingerprints and, and we'll make the cover out of your fingerprints? <laughs> Pretty creepy, huh? So, so they've all put their fingerprints on this. And when it hit the New York Times, I called up. I said, you guys, we hit the New York Times. And the whole room went up for grabs. And then it settled down. They said, what's the New York Times? <laughs> I'm like, don't worry about it. But here's the deal. Who is it that you've been avoiding? What can you do? Who's messed up? Like who's, who's like failed you 
engage them with love. I'm going to close with this. I have a, a, a mailman on our block, and he's actually really lousy at it. He's just not a detail guy. He just gives all the mail to everybody. All of our neighbors meet each other in the middle of the street at five every day, and we just have like, this is yours, this is yours. One of my neighbors is getting audited. <laughs> like, this is for you. Like, pay your bills. But Art told us after years of bad bail delivery, he was going to retire. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And uh, so I thought, what if we have a parade for him? We don't think this idea of loving your neighbor is a metaphor for something else. We actually think it means to love him. And so we had this parade. We got a convertible. We put a thousand envelopes in the back. We said, Art, just do what you do every day. Just give them to everybody. 800 people turned out to let them know you're a lousy mailman, but you're a great guy. Art was so moved by this. He called me the next day. He said, Bob, I'm coming out of retirement. I'm like, no! You guys love everybody always. So long. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I know you laughed, but I hope you just had fun listening to Bob. He's so funny, such a scream. And if you want to watch this talk, because it's kind of entertaining to watch it, go online to qideas.org and you'll see this featured this week uh, on our homepage. Or if it's later on that you're listening to this, then Go online, search Bob Goff, and and you can find this talk. But Bob's just an amazing friend and encourager to so many of all of us. And I just hope that it encouraged you a little bit today and made you smile. Now, if you're somebody who's interested in continuing conversations like this, being around other people like Bob, who really are living out their dreams, who are pursuing their calling, who feel like they know what God's put on their heart to do, and they just want to do it with excellence, and they, they want to do it alongside people who really have a concern and a care for the world. And they care for it because they know theologically, deep down, this is how God's designed us to live. He wants us to be a part of His plans to renew and restore the world. And, and the place we've created annually now, going on 13 years, for people to gather who are thinking this way, who want to learn more, who want to better understand the context we're trying to live out our mission in, Come to Q 2019. It's April 24th to 26th. This will be our largest yet. It's guaranteed to sell out. We're getting pretty close to that at this moment. And so if it's something you've never been to, you've only experienced these conversations by listening to a podcast, maybe just through your earphones, we want you to come and be in person with us. We want you to be at the table with other leaders like you who are thinking about these issues, who are challenging one another to live well and to and to live out the dream that God's called them to live out. And so come join us. You can learn more about it at qideas.org slash 2019 and see all the topics that will be discussed, many of the experiences, a lot of the breakout conversations and Q&As that you're going to have access to. And we just hope you'll come join us. We want to meet you. We want to have you meet a bunch of our friends who are living this out, trying to be faithful to what God's called them to do. And we want you to be right there with us. So hope you'll learn more about that. And until next time, I hope you have a great week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.